The Real Estate Sessions is brought to you by FIRST. FIRST knows that a real estate professional's most valuable asset is their relationships. A strong personal network is the moat that can guard against any industry disruption. But there is never enough time to nurture your network the way you want to. FIRST powers top agents with artificial intelligence to spotlight the people who are most likely to sell. This brings focus and attention to make important connections when it matters most. Learn more and request a free demo at first.io. And so I started doing trainings in my office every single week, right? And I would teach them everything that I, that I knew, especially about lead generation. And what I found out very quickly was very few agents were able to put into practice the things that we were showing them how to do. And that's not because, you know, they're, they're bad people or somehow there's something deficient with them, but rather, uh, you know, going back to my you know, psychology background is, is their personality profile isn't built for doing what I call, you know, repetitive, monotonous, boring activities and tasks. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice for real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 159 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. I am here today with Adrian Petrilla. And Adrian is a realtor with EXP Realty. He's also um, the, the CEO and founder of Realty Autopilot. I can't wait to talk about this company. That what, what Realty Autopilot does is uses Facebook ads, uh, other social media to generate leads. And I've talked to a lot of different people about how they use social media to generate leads. I think Adrian's is uh, quite unique. It's going to be fun to talk about. Uh, but Adrian, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I, my podcast is built for me to satisfy my curiosity. And and so I've, my first question for most people is, where did you grow up? And so for you, I don't think that was here in the States. Am I right? No, I actually, I was born in Romania and um, I grew up in uh, in Vienna, Austria, and then we moved to the United States uh, when I was 13 years old. And so I spent most of my high school years in, in Chicago and then we moved to Florida when I was in, in college. So I, I have to ask you this. I, I've talked to some other people who who lived outside of the country as children and uh, or in Europe, I should say. Uh, how many languages do you speak? Um, I'm, I'm pretty fluent in three languages. So in, in German, Romanian and in English. If you went, if you were to travel back to Vienna, visit family or some friends, you're slipping right back into the German. No big deal. Oh, yeah, for sure. I was just there a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think that's I think that's something uh, that we really didn't do a very good job of taking care of that here in the States. Huh? We get a little <laughs> hung up on English is the only language anybody speaks. <laughs> but boy, when you talk to someone from Europe, it's three, four, who knows, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I online I kind of did some digging and I found some things out about you and and this I love this story and I want you to share it yourself but because um, you've already shared it once so I think you can say it again but it, it talks about an eight year old Adrian so you're young you're probably still in Vienna at this time right right and you're looking you you are already looking for ways to work smarter not harder and I think I think the phrase you used was uh, that you you consider yourself a convenience enthusiast so share right. share that story. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's you've, you've always heard the saying that says, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. But I actually, I think it's laziness, really. That's that's what I boil it down to. Um, I mean, I remember when I was about eight years old, I had uh, just this tiny little room that was that was my room growing up, and my bed was just big enough to fit wall to wall. 
but where my head was and where the light switch was was on the opposite side of the room. So I created this, this string contraption on the you know, pulleys and levers where I can just pull on the string and turn off the light switch, you know, from from just laying down, you know, six feet away. <laughs> and um, my mom came in and she saw that and she just looked at me and she's like, I'm like, seriously, are you are you that lazy that you're not willing to sit up and lean over and, and flip the light switch, you know? And um yeah, so that's so that's where that came from. But you know, I, I use that in, in so many areas of my life and, and in business in particular, where I look for what's the most efficient way to get from point A to point B. What's the easiest, quickest, lowest energy way to to get a task done? And that's that's worked out really well in my business because oftentimes you can just get more things done in in, in less time and, and in fewer steps. When you first moved here, you were in the Chicago area, correct? Correct. Yep. Um, so you you went to you did some junior high school there, high school in Chicago. Yeah, I went to high school in Chicago, and then I finished my last year of high school in uh, in, in Florida, in Hollywood, Florida. Okay. So I, I have to ask you this: Did you did you pick up any love for American sports, I mean, particularly like baseball or football? Are you a Cubs or a White Sox fan, or are we like oh, no? I, Bill, I wish I wish I was. I mean, I remember when I was in high school, I had just moved uh, from Chicago to Florida, and. You know, over here in, in Florida, I mean, it's, you know, football is huge. And and here I am, 16 years old. I'm, you know, six foot two, 165 pounds. I'm sitting in, in the admissions office and this huge dude walks in. Turns out he's a football coach. And he looks at me and he's like, son, you, you play football? I'm like, sir, I don't even know how to score in football. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, that's that's one of my biggest regrets in uh, in you know, growing up, my, my parents were very oriented in academics. I did very well in academics and I had great grades, you know, graduated top of my class. Um, but I just never any any huge focus on on the, on the sports side. And I, I wish I had. I mean, I, I certainly have the built and the size for it. I'm also, I'm sad to say I'm a, I'm a Bucks fan, you know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's my guys. And, uh, you know, I love them. And it's, you know, it's heartbreaking every year. I live in St. Petersburg now and I... I grew up in San Diego, and I whenever I went to a Chargers game, there were always a bunch of fans for the other team because everybody relocates, right? And the right. same thing happens here in Tampa. You go to a Tampa game, Absolutely. and it's a ton of people for the other team. And I, I swore I'd never be that person. I would always support where I live. So, Adrian, like you, I'm also a proud Buccaneers fan. <laughs> Just not looking forward to the Saints on Sunday as we record this episode. <laughs> oh, it's going to be tough. Yeah, hopefully we, we listen to this back uh, after the game and we're pleasantly pleasantly surprised. So we'll see. You ended up getting to the Tampa area because you went to school at USF, correct? Yeah, I went to USF. Uh, you know, USF is in Tampa, which is about, you know, four hours from Fort Lauderdale, uh, where my parents still are. And I, I just figured, you know, it's just close enough where it could you know, get back home very quick if I had to, and just far enough to keep my parents from having a surprise visit coming over. <laughs> well, well thought out, like everything in your life, right? Well thought out. Um, uh, it was it was pretty efficient, yeah. As an undergrad, what what were you thinking was going to be your career? Were you already going entrepreneur, you know, in your mind, or were you going to do something else? I mean, for as long as I can remember, I've just you know always read a ton of books, and and one of the things that I just always found fascinating is is just people in general. And you know, just how, you know, how people think, why they think the way that they think, you know, what makes people tick, uh, you know, what what causes them to make the choices in, in, in life and so on. And so I actually went into, uh, for my undergrad, for psychology, I wanted to go into counseling. And so I got my undergrad in psychology. So, yeah, that's that's the direction I went with that. Which 
absolutely has helped you in, in what you've uh, ended up doing in your life, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, that's I ended up in sales in, in a roundabout way, but it's it's definitely you know we use it in you know almost every day. You know, I mean, you're you're talking with people, you know, about buying or selling a house. You're you're talking with clients about what their needs are, and you know, oftentimes you know, I find myself adjusting my my tone of voice, my my pitch, my demeanor, just based on their personality profile, right? Just adjusting and making sure that I talk to them in a way that that they feel comfortable uh, being talked to. So you get out of school. What was your what was your first job? My first job, well, my first first job was in high school. I was working, and this ties into my real estate career. Um, I was working for this uh, small unaccredited business college as a telemarketer. I did such a great job uh, in my first two weeks as a telemarketer that I booked one whole appointment that didn't show up, and I got promptly fired. <laughs> <laughs> That really kind of echoed with me when I when I actually started getting into real estate because one of the things that my broker taught me, my very first broker, I said, you know what, you know, how do I get clients? And she's like, here's a phone book. <laughs> Start calling people. And I just instantly had like this this cringing feeling, just this visceral negative reaction it says, Oh my God, I'm having flashbacks when I was 16, sitting there pounding the phones for four hours a day. And I'm like, this can't be it. I'm like, this can't be what real estate's like. Um, and it turns out it's not. Who who was the first brokerage you started with? How old were you? I was uh, I was 22. Um, I was actually in uh, in my last year uh, working in my master's, still pursuing that counseling uh, career. And I, the company I worked for actually went under. I was working for a large uh, flooring company in sales, and the company went under. And so I was looking for something that was flexible that could work around my graduate school schedule. That you know I could be my own boss and. And so I remembered the, the realtor that sold me my house. And the way that happens, I was driving through a neighborhood that I liked one, one Saturday afternoon. I saw a house that I liked. I called the sign. And she says, you know what? It's not quite the right house for you based on what you're telling me you're looking for. Um, but let me show you these three other houses. So she takes me out, shows me three other houses. I buy the last one. And then a few weeks later, she gets a big commission check. And as I'm sitting there, you know, unemployed looking for a job, I'm like, you know, I could I could do that. You know, I've been doing sales for about three or four years at this point. Like it looked really easy. And I mean, look how much money she made for, you know, maybe two or three hours worth of work with me. So I, I got my real estate license and then it took me about six months before I made my first commission. It wasn't quite as easy as, uh, as I thought it would be. Yeah. It's not that part-time job where you make a ton of money, right? No, I mean, it, it it isn't. I mean, but it it can be. It's it's one of the, the one of the things I love about the real estate profession is I mean, where else can you have an unlimited income potential, right? Where else can you have the freedom to be your own boss and to do things on your own schedule? Where I find oftentimes when I talk with agents is where where we fall short as a profession is having this illusion that it doesn't require hard work on the front end, right? Right. You do have to put in the time, you do have to put in the work. And then you can have these amazing results and you can have the freedom that, that you that you want. Right. What what year did you start in the business? Um, I got licensed. My very first year was in 2002. I was 24 years old, uh, baby faced 24 year old running around, driving people twice my age, showing them houses. Uh, it's good times. Wow. And so you obviously progressed through your career, but I think, you know, looking back at, at some things I've been, I was able to discover, you did really, really well when the market turned. And I was in Arizona at the time, you're here in Florida, two of the hardest right. hit states, right? In the, uh, we'll call them the dark days, but there were opportunities and you were able to capitalize on that. Talk about that. 
Right. So it was about 2007. I was working in the Naples market, um, which is, you know, at, at that time, it was the highest, highest median price in all of uh, the whole state of Florida. And I just I remember it was it was July or August of 2007. And um, my partner and I, we had probably about 30 plus listings. And I just I remember looking at our showing report and you know, we had two showings for the entire 30 day period that month. Mm. I'm like, man, this is, this is not good. Yeah. And, and my partner, he's like, you know, what, Adrian, don't worry about it. Like even in, in the worst case scenario, he's, he was a Florida and, and Naples native. He's like, listen, in the worst market ever during, you know, home savings and loan in the eighties, the Naples market never crashed. And I'm like, dude, this thing is not looking good. And so I, I decided I, I wanted to pursue something else. I left them all 30 plus listings. And I said, look, when they sell, just pay me a referral fee. I don't even need a 50-50. Just give me 25% referral fee. You just do your thing. And, and I left them 30 plus listings. And guess how many of those I got paid on? Um, one? Not even one. Not even one. Wow. Not, not even one. And, wow. and the thing that, that I did and... And I grew up, you know, growing up, my dad's in, in construction. And so I spent like every every weekend and every summer and every holiday with him on the job site. And one of the things he just always kind of said to me, he's like, listen, I don't care what you do. It's like if you wash dishes, if you're cleaning toilets, as long as it's honest work, nothing is beneath you. And so you just do whatever it takes. Right. And sometimes you have to do what it takes. And I remember um, it was in September of 2007. I saw somebody posted either an online ad or a, an email or something and says, hey, you want to learn how to do BPOs? And I'm like, I don't even know what a BPO is. And so I looked into it. It's like, oh, it's a broker price opinion. It's like, it's not an appraisal. It's like a mini appraisal that, that agents can do. And I look, it's like, that sounds interesting. Like it pays 50 bucks. <laughs> and, um, but I just, that thing that my dad always said resonates. He's like, listen, it doesn't matter. Just do whatever it takes. And so I, I, I submitted my application with a, a bunch of the banks and BPO companies to do BPOs. And it turns out in Naples, where I was living, nobody wanted to do $50 anything, right? Because, you know, we're collecting $15,000, $20,000 commissions like it's going out of style, or we, we did. And, um, and I said, you know what, let me just, let me do a couple of these BPOs. And I started, I started doing BPOs. And then with, by December of that year, you know, my plan was like, look, if I can get, you know, about 10 BPOs a week, if I can do two a day, you know, I can make, you know, 500 bucks a week. That's like $2,000. And that was my goal was like $2,000 a month. And that was just enough to get me by. And what was interesting by the end of that year, by the end of uh, 2007 and in December, I was doing over a hundred a month. And, you know, that's, that's a little bit more. So that's, that's <laughs> more like, you know, Five to seven thousand dollars because you're also doing interior BPOs, which pay seventy five to hundred bucks. And I it worked out pretty good. And then I I remember I remember the day like one of the banks I was working for gave me a call, and they said Adrian like do you want to do an, do you want to take an REO listing? And I'm like oh one of those bank owned foreclosure listings. And I said no. And I remember I remember her and she says like like are you sure you're turning down the listing? She's like listen. All I heard is like, these REO listings are a huge pain in the ass. I'm like, that's the last thing I need in my life. And she said, look, we really need somebody. And I said, look, if, if you hold my hand for the first one and just show me, look, I really don't know what to do. You tell me what to do and I'll do it. I'll just follow your instructions. And so I, I took my first REO listing 
uh, you know, January of 2008. And just to kind of fast forward, by the end of 2008, I, I sold about, you know, 65 of those homes. And I was doing about 500 BPOs a month. You know, multiply by five, that, that's, that's pretty good. But all from doing something that nobody else wanted to do. All for doing something that's just 50 bucks. 50 bucks turned into, you know, a huge multi six-figure deal. And, and discovering it early enough and, uh, you know, recognizing the signs, right? That was important. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Every market, there's opportunities. You discovered it. Uh, you capitalized on it. The, the market starts to rebound. You've got to pivot. You ended up starting a brokerage, correct? Yeah. So the, the brokerage, actually, I started the brokerage before the market pivoted. And, and what happened is, is it was one of those years when, you know, the market was crashing and you've got a ton of foreclosures. And, and I remember it was, you know, like around Thanksgiving and, um, you know, president comes on and says, listen, we're going to have a moratorium on foreclosures. Right. And we're, we're just going to stop them for the holidays, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas. And then after January, we'll turn them on. And I'm thinking, that's not a bad, that's not a bad deal. Right. But at this point, I've got a staff and agents of 12, you know, working for me to service all these properties, 100, 125 listings at any given time. We're, we're turning over a huge volume. And they did not turn the faucet back on, so to speak, until June 1st. Mm. I remember because it was my birthday and it's <laughs> for six months, we didn't get any new listings. Um, and this was you know, a good two or three years before the market turned. But what it taught me is, is that all of my eggs were in one basket, right? I was so reliant on the banks sending me listings that I neglected all of the good retail habits I had built you know, before the market crashed, you know, I, I had all these listings and I, I didn't, you know, the buyers were calling me and I was just giving away the leads. I didn't do anything with it. Um, you know, I wasn't leveraging what I had to have, you know, multiple streams of revenue. And so, you know, we changed that very quickly. And so we started building a buyer team. You know, we had started, you know, bringing in full-time people to answer the phone so that every lead could get captured. And then we had agents just to go out and show houses for our, for our prospective buyers. And so then when the market turned and you started seeing it, right? So the number of foreclosures starts going down, the number of uh, short sales starts going down. I mean, I remembered what had happened just a couple of years before. And so, you know, all of our eggs were in one basket at the time. I said, listen, we can't do that, right? We've got to diversify now. And so we started building a larger retail division again. And that was also the time that I started my brokerage because I was looking at it from the perspective of, okay, so if, if I'm doing this by myself and I was, you know, averaging 175 to 200 home sales per year, um, you know, how can we sell more homes, right? And one of the ways was to start a brokerage and then start hiring, um, you know, start hiring agents to our brokerage. And that's what we did. And then from there, you, you were pretty early in the expansion game, right, of, of opening up operations in other parts of the state. That's become right. commonplace today, but you were kind of early in that game, right? Yeah, and, and again, it, it was it it happened because of necessity, right? Um, so we, I opened my first franchise office with Realty Direct in uh, February of 2010. By the end of that year, 11 months later, we had 100 agents working for us in that office, mm. which was great. But one of the things about you know a lot of the coastal Florida towns is you know, were very seasonal, right? So we do, you know, the vast majority of our sales, 60, 70, sometimes even 80% of our sales between January and April, May, and then for the other six, seven, eight months, you're just kind of hoping to break even. And so I really didn't like that business model. I didn't like that I was making a lot of money for four or five months. And you know what happens is when you have a lot of money, you end up 
you know, spending a lot of money. And so then when the lean months come, I mean, you know, you just look at your bank accounts, like, you know, it's just, it's going away. So we, I was looking for a way to create more stability in the business. And so we started looking at different markets. So one of the first areas that we expanded to was into the Tampa Bay market because it's less seasonal, right? They have a very small fluctuation between the busiest month and the slowest month. And so that we did that to create more stability in our business by, you know, not having, again, all of our eggs in, in a basket that's very seasonal. Recently, you have joined EXP Realty. I, I had the good fortune of talking to Glenn Sanford, the CEO and founder of EXP. Um, what what um, brought you to that place? What, what, uh, what, what brought you into the EXP fold? So after I, I opened my, my franchise uh, and I, I grew that to three offices and, and 200 agents, a few years ago, somebody approached us and said, hey, would you, would you care to sell your company? And, and I said, no, you know what? I'm not really interested at this point. You know, it's not really what we're looking for. And, you know, they, they kind of slid a number across the table like you see in the movies. And they said, well, what about this number? And I looked at it. I'm like, oh, all right, sure. That's, that sounds great. How soon can we close this thing? So, I mean, I, I was very fortunate. You know, we had, um, you know, we had an exit. Uh, we, we sold the company. And you know, if you know anything about selling, selling real estate companies, is they don't just hand you a big fat check in the beginning. Um, they actually expect you to hang out and manage the baby for them for, you know, usually a year, two, three years, depending on what you negotiate. And so we had a two-year exit, uh, which we success, successfully exited. And we, we completed our earnout based on the metrics that we had assigned. Um, and then, quite frank, I was, I was done. I was, I was retired from the real estate game. Um, I, you know, I'd, I'd done pretty much what I, I wanted to do. I was successful as an agent, as a team leader. I, I built a substantial brokerage. I successfully sold, sold that. And I thought, you know what? I, I don't really want to go back to owning a brokerage. I don't want to necessarily go back to managing agents and reviewing contracts and, you know, dealing with you know, all the things that all the day to day stuff, you know, that you have to deal with owning a brokerage. You never think about, right? The accounting, the ENLs, you know, the fax is broken and you know, it's not working. And so for all intents and purposes, I was done. And, uh, and a good uh, good friend of mine, Tom, uh, gave me a call. And now Tom and I used to own a Realty Direct franchise. He owned uh, the Boston market. I had uh, some of the Florida market. And, and Tom calls me up and says, Adrian, I, I want you to look at something, right? I'm like, well, sure, I'll, I'll, I'm opening. Like, what, what do you want to talk about? It's like, it's this amazing new brokerage. And I'm like, Tom, I'm like, no, thank you. But I said it in far less polite terms. Like, we've, we go back 10 plus years. Okay. I basically told him where to stick it. And, uh, and he's like, all right, that's fine. And, you know, he just kind of kept in touch. I mean, you know, and every, every few weeks or a month or so, he's like, you know, Adrian, come on, just take a look at it. And you know, at one point I, I said, you know what, that's fine. Let's let me take a look at what you have. And so he gave me a presentation um, for for EXP Realty, and I took a look at it. I was kind of honestly, I was kind of shocked. I looked at it and said, you know, I can't believe this guy did this, right? Um, because my buddy Tom and I, you know, we had in our franchise had a, had a model very similar to EXPs, and the one thing that we always talked about was. It's like, what if, you know, what if we could give agents a piece of the pie, right? If there was a way for us to give ownership, you know, not just to the owners and the franchisees, but how about if we could give ownership to the agents? And we never quite got there. And now I started looking at this EXP model. It's like, these guys have all the things that we talked about, right? Besides the tools and the technology and the service that they offer, right? They're actually giving agents 
a piece of the pie, right? They have the ability to become shareholders and, and owners in the company. And, and that's something that really intrigued me. That was something I looked at. It's like, that is a complete and total game changer, right? You look at the real estate business model really hasn't changed in the last 75 or 100 years, but this was so completely different and unique. I'm like, you know what? I, I got to work with these guys. I got to partner with these guys and, and do what I can uh, with them. You don't really have a... A brokerage with EXP. You're you're an agent. You you're, you're you have a team that you're putting together, which is very popular and common in the EXP. Right. right? That's what you're doing now. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. I'm an agent. I mean, I'm, I have a broker's license. I'm not using it for for that purpose. Um, and and I'm building I'm building my team. We we generated a ton of leads. So I'm working with my agents to you know to help them you know grow their businesses and sell more homes. So let's talk about the leads. This is uh, I I was. I really am excited to talk about this part of what, what you've created. Your company is called Realty Autopilot. It, it right. is a company that helps uh, generate online leads for realtors. And so obviously that you have a proven track record with it because it's what you use to grow your business. <laughs> and so a lot of times, a lot of these companies don't have skin in the game. You know, uh, they don't really kind of prove the model out so much. And I think you, you, ha- you have definitely done that, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, you know, when I first started growing my, you know, my small team of four or five agents who were working with me, you know, one of my mentors always taught me is like, you know, when do you, when you, when do you know it's time to build a team is like when you have more business than you can handle. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, honestly, Bill, I'll, I'm, I'm not a great agent, right. It's, I'm not like the best listing person. I'm not necessarily the best person going out and driving with buyers, that was never really my forte. My The thing that I was really good at more than anything else in the real estate business was just generating leads and generating a ton of leads. And so when I started you know, working for myself, I figured out you know, how can I generate 100, 200? And when I had my buyer team, we were generating between you know, 500 and 1,000 leads per week. And then I had an office with 200 agents and I kind of got to figure out, hey, how do I give these guys leads? How do I help them sell more houses? Um, and so we're able to scale that and just, you know, figure out ways of, of how to generate just tons and tons of leads every single day and every single month. Multiple channels, right? Um, there's mm-hmm. pay-per-click as part of this, correct? Yep. We do Google AdWords, uh, PPC. Uh, we do uh, Facebook. Um, you know, we also work with Instagram quite a bit. So I got to talk about Facebook. I think timing on this is really perfect. There's, under, you know, Facebook's undergoing some massive changes in how, um, how ads can be targeted, uh, even on the personal side. Like I'm this big believer in Facebook lists. You know, the ability to filter the noise and pay attention to people. You know, the people that right. matter in your life. There, those are going away. They've made an announcement that they don't want to support the lists anymore. Um, but for realtors who go to classes and, and somebody tries to teach them how to run a Facebook ad campaign on their own, uh, they were really, really. Um, it was contingent upon the fact that you. They could show the agents how to like really hyper-target an ad into the the exact people that would want this thing that they are offering, whatever it was, a CMA or or looking for buyers or whatever. But you right. you have a completely different take on that, and and let's talk about your philosophy when it comes to using Facebook to generate real estate leads. Sure, and I mean maybe we can take just one step back and sure. and maybe talk about just about the philosophy of of how we do business and why we do business the way we do. And how that ties into into Facebook. If you just Google, you know, you know, Facebook leads for realtors, you'll probably end up with, I don't know, at least half a dozen to a dozen, you know, different coaches and companies that will 
sell you a program for you know a couple thousand, or sometimes even seven or eight thousand dollars, to teach you how to generate leads, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that we named the company Realty Autopilot is because you know we don't we don't want to do that. We don't want to teach agents how to generate leads. We want to do it for them. We want to have a complete done for you system. Let us do the heavy listing, right? Let us figure out, you know, I know we, you know, we'll talk about the Facebook algorithm just changed a few days ago. Let us figure out what that means, right? We'll do that for you. And one of the reasons that um, that we have that philosophy is because when I was, you know, when I was running my brokerages and I've got, you know, 200 agents and, and the first thing I did is when I started hiring agents, I said, you know, what if I could just teach these guys everything that I know, right? Everything I know about lead generation and working with buyers, working with sellers, listing appointments. And so I started doing trainings in my office every single week, right? I would teach them everything that I, that I knew, especially about lead generation. And what I found out very quickly was very few agents were able to put into practice the things that we were showing them how to do. And that's not because, you know, they're, they're bad people or somehow there's something deficient with them, but rather, uh, you know, going back to my you know, psychology background is, is their personality profile isn't built for doing what I call, you know, repetitive, monotonous, boring activities and tasks, right? When you look at, you know, most salespeople, real estate agents, when you look at their disk profile, right? They're, you know, they're what we call high I people, right? They're, they're outgoing, they love talking to people, they, they're social, right? They're not like the bookkeeper accountant type wants to sit in front of a computer, you know, for two hours every morning and do lead generation and prospecting. And a lot of them would do that after they go to a training and they see how it's done. And because they don't have enough business because it's slow, I mean, they get really excited about, you know, starting generating leads. And so they do the activities for, and you'll see it, I've seen it a hundred times, right? You see this wave, right? They have no business. They start generating you know, prospecting and generating all the leads, and then get so busy they forget about the lead generation and prospecting that they got them all the leads in the business in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so it just kind of goes up and down, up and down all the time. And one of the things um, that we wanted to do is rather than work against the agents, let's work with them the way that they are, right? Based on how their personality profile is, based on how they're built. And and so why not do something where we eliminate all the things that they don't like to do, right? Let's let us do the things that they don't want to do. They don't want to sit there for hours every day and just, you know, place Facebook ads and figure out the Facebook algorithm or figure out how to get 5,000 keywords for this neighborhood on Google AdWords, right? Let us do that part so that the agent can then focus on the things that they really love, the things that they're really good good at, like showing houses and going on listings appointment, right? So that they can focus on, on just that aspect and we'll handle the heavy lifting on the front end. Wow. So let's let's talk about what that looks like for you. Let's let's focus in on Facebook. What do you do different than than most of the other uh, providers out there? It goes back to maybe our philosophy of, of how Facebook works or how to work with Facebook advertising. When you look at a lot of the training and the coaching that, that people are are showing agents on what to do on Facebook, it involves with you know, figure out exactly who the right person is that you want to target, right? So it's got to be somebody who's like into Home and Garden magazine, right? And who loves, you know, remodeling and watches the DIY channel and the HGTV TV channel and so on. And so you're kind of like honing down really hard into who you think your audience is. But when you look at the way that Facebook is, and Facebook is like a really, really well-connected uncle who happens to know everything about 2 billion people, right? And so your really well-connected uncle knows better than you who the right person is for 
what you're trying to offer them, right? right. And so rather than, than going to really deep into, you know, figuring out who's the perfect person, one of the things that we do is we create tons and tons of different ad angles with different headlines and different pictures and creatives and so on. And then we, we put in very few parameters. And then we let the Facebook algorithm tell us, hey, who's the right person for what we're offering? And, and you know, we will have, so we did for, for a client, we ran a campaign last week and we created 768 ads on the first day. And we let it run for, for three or four days. We figured out which of which ads based on the combination of headlines and pictures and the ad creative, the, the text, you know, right, and the link, um, you know, which ads perform best for this particular city or this particular zip code based on what we were offering, whether it was, you know, free list of homes or whether it was a listing, whether it was an open house, whether it was working with a for sale by owner or expireds. And so we let the algorithm figure it out rather than me trying to guess who the right person is for what I think the right ad is. Instead, we create just a huge number of ads and we let Facebook figure out, okay, what's the best ad for people in this area? It, it sounds like like A B testing on steroids, like it's A to the some kind of exponential number, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I mean, almost for for every for every campaign that we run, you know, we'll create at a minimum variation of you know four different pictures or four different you know, creatives, four different headlines, you know, four different bodies or ad copies. Yeah, and so we'll create you know variation of about forty eight ads for each different audience, and then you know have multiple audiences that we compare against each other. So it's 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 this huge A/B test. I'm kind of a fanboy of copywriters. I don't think people give them enough credit for what they do. Do you have professionals, or do you have people that are, are, are highly skilled in creating copy, or is it just you can put out so many different versions you don't need to have that? No, I mean you're, you're absolutely right. I mean I, I'm a huge you know fanboy of ad copy. I mean I, I follow guys like Russell Brunson and Dan Kennedy and sure. um, you know a lot of the the, the greats in, in copywriting and. Um, I credit most of that, uh, if I can name drop, my, my coach, Craig Proctor, because one of the very first things I remember learning from Craig was, and I remember him just being this huge audience at one of his super conferences, and he's in a room of like 1,500, 2,000 people, and he's like, hey, what's, you guys are all agents, what's your number one job? And everyone's like, you know, sales or building relationships and making people happy. And he's like, wrong, <laughs> your number one job is to generate prospects, is to generate leads. Because if you don't have prospects or leads, you can't have a sale, right? Then if you can't have a sale, you're not going to make any money. And so one of the things that, you know, he taught me is like, you have to have good ad copy. You have to have, you know, and your ads is like, it's like fishing, right? You're, you cast your, you know, you hook your bait, you, you throw it out and, you know, you never, know, you never know what kind of fish are out there. So you're trying, you know, different lures and different, you know, different bait. And so it's the same thing in advertising, right? And he taught me the value of, you know, having a good headline, having, you know, a unique selling proposition, having good ad copy. And so that's, that's one of the things that I became really good at is actually writing ad copy. And then I've used that to, you know, pretty good success in my career, I think. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's so under, or so overlooked, I guess, as, as the value of that when someone's trying to do it on their own and go solo on this kind of a thing that, it's you can't just whip out this something that looks like it's part of a realtor remarks in a MLS. Right, got to be. It's got to. You're, you're compelling somebody to do something with words. Do you have some advice for for um, for some of the listeners when it comes to managing their own Facebook business pages? Because every realtor has one. 
um, lots of different philosophies, but what are some like, right. things they could be doing to make it better? So you have to think of your business page kind of like your storefront, right, for your business. And I remember I was in, in Long Island with a buddy of mine just a few weeks ago, and it's, it's Friday night, and we walk into this, to this restaurant, and we sit down to have dinner, and I just started looking around, and it just kind of something didn't quite feel right. And I, I just trying to figure out what's, what's not right. And I realized there's like, there's no artwork on, on the walls. There was no decorations at all. Um, there was silverware in the tables, but no tablecloths. And, and the whole place just kind of didn't look like it was ready for business. Like it shouldn't be quite open yet. Uh, and oftentimes when we do evaluations of agents, Facebook pages, which is the first step that we do when we take on a new clients, we take a look at, you know, what's the page look like? Do we need to scratch it and start from, from the beginning or can we modify it and you look at it and see you know it's the, the head you know the the banner at the top isn't the right size so it doesn't format right for you know for mobile and then the last time they posted something was two weeks ago and the time before that it was three months ago and the time before that it was six months ago and if you ever went to a restaurant and you didn't know when they were open right you walk in you think it's tuesday at seven o'clock and they're closed and it doesn't have any store hours. And that's kind of what your Facebook page is like, right? If it doesn't look like it's ready for business, like somebody's actually here on a regular, consistent basis doing business, maybe you don't want to do business with that person. So one of the things that, that we always look at is like, how do we get, you know, consistent content on the page, right? So, um, you know, besides making sure that the page looks right, that it has everything filled out, right? The about section, your contact information, making sure that you have good pictures and having a good banner that's formatted for both mobile and desktop. But then also making sure that you have content that's posted on a regular basis and it should be relevant content, right? Uh, I, I know I get a lot of, you know, flack for this when I say, look, nobody cares about mortgage rates, right? That's not what that's not what people do on Facebook. So it should be good, relevant content for your local area. Know your local people. You should be the local expert. Hey, know what's happening in your in your neighborhood and your market. What events are happening, right? What um, and and those are the things that we encourage agents. In fact, we do this for them. Uh, that's one of the things. One of the first things that we do is we, we take over their page management and put on autopilot so that they don't have to do it. Let us go out and find you know, the right articles and the right content to post on your page in your local market. My role with Fidelity, it's it's to sit down and help agents kind of figure out is there something they can be doing better. And man, pages are always something we talk about. Right. <laughs> Just struggle with that. But, but Adrian, I've had you well over the half hour uh, that I asked of your time. Uh, I'm going to ask you the same question I've asked every single guest. Uh, and so I can't wait to hear your answer. It's, it's what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just getting started in the business? If I may, I would give them two, two pieces. Of Two's advice. fine. Yeah, you're good. And, and, and the first thing is you have to become an expert at generating leads and prospects for your business. When I got started, I, I walk into my broker's office and having come from retail sales where, you know, people just walk into a store and somebody else did the marketing and advertising. I just kind of sat there and waited for customers to, to come in. Then I walk into my broker's office and I said, great, where, where are my leads? And she looked at me, she's like, what do you mean? She's like, well, I'm ready to help somebody buy and sell a house. And she's like, well, go find them. Very hard lesson that I learned. Uh, and what I learned is I didn't know anything about generating leads. I didn't know anything about generating business and prospects for my business. And so if I can give agents, any agent at any stage in, in their career advices, Become an expert at generating leads. You've, you've got to be an expert at, at how do you get new business and make sure that it's consistent. Um, and for brand new agents, 
you know, find a mentor, find somebody who's kind of walked the path. For me, my first three years were, were tough. I mean, I just kind of floundered around. I you know, sold a fair amount of houses, but nothing like I wanted to. And it wasn't until I, I found a mentor, my, my third year in real estate, and he said, look, just follow me. Do what I did. Look, I, I sold 500 houses a, a year. You want to sell 50 or 100? Just take these steps. Just do this uh, and implement in your business. And that completely changed and revolutionized my, my businesses. Once I learned those two things, you know, once I found a mentor and once I, I mastered the lead generation aspect, it's never been the same. Uh, Adrian, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to uh, to do that? Sure. Uh, you can reach me via email. It's Adrian, A-D-R-I-A-N, at realtyautopilot.com. Adrian, thank you so much for your time today. I know you're getting ready for a big trip overseas, and, and I think it's it's just been amazing to hear you talk about your story. But then I think even really, really important to the listeners is, is your take on how online advertising works in real estate. First of all, I'm hoping a few people head your way to see what you offer. Second, I, I really hope it kind of has, it, it's a wake-up call on um, how difficult this can be, but how profitable it can be if done right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And Bill, yeah. I, I appreciate uh, you taking the time to listen to my story and, and just help it share it with your audience.